0: Okay, guys, so it's the end of the week. I'm going to go ahead and summarize where we're at with this incredibly long story so far. Don't worry, we are over halfway done with this one, but it's a complicated story. I didn't realize how deeply I was digging myself in when I started this one. Again, because it's a story that from the other side of the world, I'm not as familiar with it. So, you know, I'm having a fun time with it, but uh, it's a long one. So we're going to go ahead and Make a brief summary so far. Prince Amas is seeking revenge on a princess who kills all of her suitors with a life or death riddle, which is, What did the rose do to the cypress? And at this point, the answer to this is driving me crazy because it's the title of the story. I've had to write it so many times. And as I said, I try not to get too far ahead of you guys on these stories that are new to me because I want the surprise too and I want my reaction at the end of the story to be a little more genuine, a little more fun, if you will. So I don't know what the Rose did to the cypress either, but it, based on the roundabouts of this story, it must have been real bad because it's getting frustrating. Um, so anyway, she's been lopping off suitor's heads left and right, and uh, this includes Prince Amas's two older brothers, So he has sworn revenge on this princess, and he has been tracking down the answer to the riddle by going to the homeland of the man who told the princess the riddle in the first place, which is pretty vague. It just says that it's somewhere in Africa, that the man is an African. That would not be enough information for me to go on, guys. That's a whole continent of different people. But apparently for Prince Amos, that's not enough to hold him back. So... He heads to Africa, and his way of getting from place to place to place is basically by promising himself in marriage to every single maiden that he meets along the way. The most recent being the Lady Jamila, who gave him a sword, a dagger, and a bow and arrows, along with provisions and advice as he heads into the deepest Africa among hordes of hostile natives and jinn. You know how I feel about jinn, we covered that in Aladdin, all to find the answer to the riddle and avenge his brothers. Prince Amas rode off into a place called the Place of Gifts and admired all of the animals, especially a great big old lion who was 80 yards from nose to tail. Gotta figure this is the King of Lions. I've played enough Final Fantasy to know that if you beat enough of a small type of monster, a big one who is the king of that monster type will eventually show up. And that's, other than the beating all the small lions, that's pretty much how things go for Prince Amas here. The biggest lion is the King of Lions. The prince follows orders from Jamila, and feeds the lion game by hand, and washes his face with the kerchief that she gave him, as well as feeding his serving lions. The prince slept safely among the lions that night, and in the morning the king gave him a few of his own hairs, the king of lions that is, and said to burn one whenever he came into trouble, and that he would come to help the prince. Prince Amos then went along the path as Jamila had instructed, And when he came to a large castle, he tried to creep by unspotted, but an African man caught sight of him. The man grabbed the prince's horse and tried to take him to his master, who had, quote, not had human meat for a long time. This is never something you want to hear when you go to a new place, but it may be how I greet people from now on. (laughs) I'm going to be so popular, guys. Anytime I greet somebody new, great, come with me. My master has not had men meet for a long time. People are going to like me so much. (laughs) The prince dismissed this as nonsense and struck the man with his sword, impaling him completely. Another man came, and the same thing happened over and over until they sent out a giant man called Chillback. He picked up the prince under his arm and tried to take him back to his cannibalistic master, but the prince stabbed him under his armpit with his dagger, then killed him with his sword. The book does specifically mention that he's cutting a lot of these men in half Darth Maul style. I'm guessing this is because it's a magic sword, because you know this worked with Darth Maul in uh, Star Wars because it was a lightsaber. Most regular metal swords will either chip or dent when they hit the spine and you have to take several hacks to get all the way through any kind of bone or you know the sword will break entirely either way it's going to take a lot of work to get through a human spinal column possibly through ribs so i mean i'm not a doctor i'm not an expert but it's hard to get a sword through wood and bone is usually even more dense Mm -hmm. though admittedly hollow on the inside so while it does say that he's just going ahead and lopping these guys in half I'm going to assume that it's got to be the magic of the sword because even with incredible Dwayne the Rock Johnson upper body strength, this is not something that you're going to just be able to slice through like butter like Obi-Wan Kenobi. In Obi-Wan Kenobi's case, that was the virtue of the sword. And in this case, I'm assuming the same thing. Now, it has only mentioned that the sword is unbreakable, not that... It can slice through anything, but I'm going to go ahead and just call this one the magic here. It doesn't give us a lot of detail, but it seems kind of ridiculous. The king then sends out an army, and the prince fights with them with his magic sword. And finally, fatigued, he burnt one of the king lion's hairs, and an army of lions helped the prince in battle. Gotta say, I'd pulled this trick out a little earlier than he did, but again, maybe the magic sword helped keep him from getting fatigued as quickly as one of us would. I gotta say, after my first chopping a man in half, I'd probably be pretty tired. I don't know from experience though. If you do, let me know. But I, I will also probably call the police on you, <laughs> just, just as a warning. I will probably warn the cops that you're a human chopper. But I am curious to know: did chopping the human make you tired? Inside, they found the tribal leader's daughter who offered herself to be his slave in exchange for her life. He tells her that he will not collect her when or that he will come and collect her when he returns from his dangerous journey. Now, based on the trajectory of this story, a lot of you are probably shocked that he didn't immediately propose marriage to this girl. The story does state that she was still just a child, so I'm guessing that she just wasn't his type yet, maybe when she's older, I don't know. But she's offered herself to him in slavery, and he he goes ahead and accepts that. He will take a child slave, he just won't take a child bride. My hero, right? Ugh, this guy's the worst. <laughs> anyway, the only reason why we're still rooting for him as a protagonist is that the only person in the story worse than him is the person he's trying to take revenge on. Great. Real, real great hero here. Let's just not even call him a hero. He's kind of just more of the central character rather than the hero. Anybody who's going to take a child slave, nobody's hero. Just putting that out there. So then he leaves the castle... Um in the care of the lions for them to protect it and the little girl, and traveled on until he reached a beautiful plain full of flowers and fresh springs. Here he found a tree that bore many different kinds of fruit. I would love to have one of those. That sounds pretty cool. And then the prince found a reservoir built of four different kinds of stone. The prince released his horse and began to seek the Simurgh. Here I'd like to just make a quick note for those of you who don't know and don't play fantasy video games that a Simurgh is a creature in Persian folklore that has is a giant bird large enough to carry a whale in its lion-like talons. It has copper feathers and the head of either a dog or a woman. But in Final Fantasy X, it's just a regular peregrine head. Anybody who's played that knows that the different monsters you find in the different areas are basically the same five or six monsters just with a different color scheme the parrot the simmer is the copper colored one of the birds the um head of either a dog or a woman yeah it's always female which i was surprised to find in my research on the animal and is considered a benevolent bird monster thing much like a phoenix and uh I don't know. I don't know. What is a mosque going to do now that he's found one? We'll have to find out next week because I'm taking the weekend off. So, um, yeah, other than that, I really didn't find a ton on the Simurg. It's basically kind of the Persian equivalent to a phoenix, not in that it is a firebird, but that it is considered a benevolent monster. And uh, it did mention at one point that every, I think it was 1,700 years, a Simurg will... Um, die in flames and be reborn. So there's another parallel to the Phoenix there as well. It's kind of an interesting addition to the story. And uh, I'm just trying to give you a little context. I know this is an actual part of the actual story, but since it did mention a monster that, you know, is not your standard boogeyman, mummy, vampire, I thought some of us might be a little unfamiliar with it. And I went ahead and uh, threw in a little side note there just to give us a little context. Thanks for tuning in and have a wonderful weekend.